Squares Fielder. He's gone to the dogs. Welcome everyone to the Gone to the Dogs podcast. Your host Steve Fielder here with you. Man, I am getting excited about the time of year that we're entering into right now. Uh, the fall hunting seasons are just around the corner as I'm uh, recording this podcast. Uh, well, actually, as this one airs, Autumn Oaks will be about a week and a half away. Autumn Oaks at the Wayne County Fairgrounds in Richmond, Indiana, is a Labor Day weekend tradition for coon hunters all across the country. I'm looking forward uh, one more time to be there. Uh, at this point, I'm not sure whether I'll be hanging out most of the time at the American Cooner booth in the vendor barn or in the new media booths that UKC is providing uh, for the Coonhound media. And uh, I will be there uh, with the Gone to the Dogs podcast, and perhaps we'll get a chance to to meet for the first time and to uh, uh, howdy and shake, as it were. And also, we may even get some time to do a little recording. So if you got a great story that you want to tell, come on by and see me uh, there at the Media Center at, at Autumn Oaks. Um, that will be held uh, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, September 1st, 2nd, and 3rd at the fairgrounds in Richmond, Indiana. Um, my good friend, Nubbin Moore, uh, from Alabama will be traveling with me, so uh, we look forward to seeing everyone there. Uh, with the hunting seasons coming right up, it's always a good time to remember my friends at DU Hunting Supply, uh, dusupply.com. Everything you need uh, for you or your hounds can be found at DU Supply, um, and especially uh, on the electronic side of things. These guys are the pros. They know the Garmin equipment. The other uh, manufacturers as well, inside and out, can give you a lot of tech support, and uh, they definitely service what they sell. These podcasts, uh, these last couple ones and uh, here, uh, have been in especially enjoyable to me because they give me an opportunity to talk with old friends and talk about a lot more of the older friends that I've made down through the years. And this podcast that we have today is certainly no exception. I'm just so happy to be able to go over to the state of Virginia for this one to uh, meet and and uh, and talk with a longtime friend, Mr. Bob Justice. Bob, how are you doing? I'm doing fine, Steve. Well, that's good. It's really good to hear your voice again. I haven't talked to you in a while. We kind of get together on social media a little bit and text back and forth and messenger and all that stuff. But, man, I miss the 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 eye-to-eye contact and the handshake and all that stuff. I I don't know. This new way of communicating doesn't quite get it for me. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. The last time I think I met you eye-to-eye was at the Grand American. And that was, a, I don't know. Was that this past? Oh, two or three no, years two, ago. Two or three years ago. I got yeah, you. Yeah, I haven't been for a while. 
Well, I did go this last year, and that happened to be the weekend. I guess I, I, I was com- must have been coming down with COVID when I drove up to Orangeburg because of feeling bad Thursday night, and by Friday I was feeling pretty bad. And then Saturday I drove on home. I just gave it up and headed back home. But, uh, but that all worked out well. Bob, tell our listeners a little bit about where you uh, were uh, born and raised, and where you live now. A little bit about your family before we get into all this coon hunting we're going to talk about. Okay. Uh- all of my family originated from Kentucky, uh, but my dad was a coal miner, and he came to Virginia to work, Buckhannon County, Grundy, Virginia, and that's yeah. where I was born and raised. Well, it's interesting. Let me jump in there real quick, because you mentioned that to me before uh, about Grundy. My grandfather was a coal miner, too, in West Virginia. And at some point when my mother was about 11th grade, they moved the family to Clinch Cove, Virginia. And um, do you know where that is? Yes, I do. Yeah. Well, at any rate, that's where my mother, I think, finished high school there. But anyway, my grandfather in later years had a watch repair shop there in Grundy, Virginia. So it's a small world, isn't it? Yes, it sure is. (laughs) Yeah, they later moved uh, to Beckley, West Virginia, where I was raised. So, okay, so you were born in Grundy. Now, that's that's some rough hill country in there, isn't it? Oh, it's, it's straight up and straight down with narrow, narrow valleys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we call them hollers over in West right. Virginia. <laughs> I, I lived in a holler. I sure did. Yeah. Last house in a holler. I got you. You were the last one up there, huh? Last yeah. one up there. When people come to visit, uh, they would stop and ask where we lived, and, and they said, "Just go to the last house in the holler. You can't miss them." <laughs> well, you can't go any further than that's it, right? <laughs> that's it. Yeah. <laughs> a friend of mine out in Texas told me a old guy gave him some directions, a place to go hunting, and. He told him, he said, well, you go down this steep hill, and when you get down there at the bottom, there's a gate. He said, turn around right there because you've, you've missed it. You need to go back. <laughs> oh, boy. So, then, uh, so you, then you moved from Grundy. How old were you then? I was, I was 20 years old when I left Grundy. I wanted to get married, and I needed a better job. So I went to Manassas, Virginia. Yeah. Came back and married my high school sweetheart, and uh, we lived there for five years until kids started entering the picture. Right. (laughs) She wanted to be closer to mom and dad. Oh, yeah. Because it it was an eight-hour drive from Manassas to Grundy. And if you're like most people from that part of the world, you tried to make that about every weekend, didn't you? Every other weekend, we tried to make that. In five years, I think I wore out two cars. You know, that's but, something about people that grow up in the mountains, and I think there have yeah. been books written and songs written about it and all, about they like they go away to work in the big cities, but they love to come back home, and they quite yeah. often do come back home, you know, re- yeah. real often. Yeah. Yeah, I would have probably I would have probably went back if it'd been anything there besides coal mining. 
Right. But uh, Dad, he didn't want any of us boys to work in the mines. Mm. And and he made sure that we all got some kind of a trade to yeah. where we could make a living without working in the mines. Well, so in, in 1970, we just uh, pulled up and, and moved to Christiansburg. And we was only three and a half hours away. Yeah. And we still live here today. Well, that's great. So you're just outside of Christiansburg. Then your address um, is, is what? My address is Pilot. Pilot, and I, Virginia. Yeah, yeah, I live 12 miles from Christiansburg, uh, about uh, six miles from Reiner, 13 yep. miles from Floyd, yeah, and uh, about seven or eight miles from where Heath Height lives. Yeah, I get, go up to Heath quite often. We go bear right. hunting at, at Heath yeah. there. and Yeah, so you're right in the neighborhood for sure. Well, you know, when I started out on this road, uh, you know, getting involved in licensed hunts and bench shows and that stuff when I was younger, we didn't have any of those things uh, to begin with at our club there in West Virginia. So we had to either come over into Virginia or go over into eastern Ohio. So that's when I, you know, started going to the Blue Ridge Coon Hunters Club uh, for their bench show. And I believe they had a, did they have a water race too? We had water races, bench shows, night hunts, and we drew in some big crowds. And we would uh, have, uh, we would have sectional hunts. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I, I met your dad at a plot sectional at Christianburg. Uh, mm -hmm. was hosting and I, he was a very pleasant man and I talked to him for a good while yeah my dad loved to go around to the, he never was uh, into the competition side of things I don't think he ever put a dog on the bench in his life that I know of but I got the bug to do that at an early age so he'd take me you know before I could drive even yeah well so all right. Well, let's. Um, this is a coon hunters podcast, of course, and, and that's what we want to talk about mostly. But um, before I leave that, what type of work did you do? Uh, have you done for your life's work? Uh, well, I am a barber. You are a barber. Well, man, if everybody was barber. like me, you'd be in bad shape. <laughs> I might come in and get a shine. <laughs> Uh, that's what I've done most of my life, Steve. I, 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 I've done a very, I've done a few other things. I, I worked in a steel mill for about a year mm. and, yeah. and I worked on the outside of a coal mines when I got out of high school, uh, yeah. dump, dump, dumping coal in a tipple. Yeah. That was my job and changing flat tires and things like that. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. And other than that, I've been a barber for, I don't know, gosh, I don't know, Steve, about 62 years. Now, how I'll old be, are you now, Bob? I'll be 77 in October. Okay. Well, I think we discussed that earlier. You're one year older than I am. So we're we're right in there together, brother. Uh, those aches and pains are just the way of life, aren't they? <laughs> they sure are, Steve. I, 
I get up with them every morning hoping that I'll lose them, but I never do. <laughs> well, that's right. Well, okay, somewhere along that road, either over in Grundy or up in Manassas or back down in Christiansburg or whatever, the coon hunting bug bit you. Where where did that all start? Well, the coon hunting bug bit me when I was a kid. And, uh, of course, we didn't have any coons much back in the mountains where I grew up. We would possum hunt. But I had yeah. a fascination with tree dogs. Right. And I didn't I didn't have any hounds, but I, but I would make a tree dog out of whatever I had. And we would possum hunt and, and squirrel hunt. And I had dogs that were tree, but they weren't hounds. Right. But, but there was a guy that lived close to me, and he had a a whole lot full of black dogs. I never did know what they were. Uh, they weren't black and tans because he didn't have any tan on them. They was probably plots. And uh, he never did invite me to go with him, but he would come up by our house and go on back in the mountain. I would lay in the bed at night and hear them dogs run. And that just fascinated me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, I always, and I would look, my grandpa would, he would give me a, a copy of uh, a farm magazine that he subscribed to. I forget the name of that magazine, but over in the back, it had a little advertisement of uh, Smoky River Mountain Kennels selling coon dogs <laughs> and mm-hmm. i would i would read that little ad over and over and uh, <laughs> yeah just, just just wishing i had a coon hound. <laughs> now this is when you still lived over in in uh grundy in the mountains oh, yeah yeah i was just a kid steve i was probably okay. at that time about 12 years old i see you know it's funny how this dog uh, bug kind of bites us at a young age. Uh, of course, my dad always had dogs at the house, and we lived over there in West Virginia where there weren't many coons either. In fact, our club always bought coons and had them brought in from different places for restocking. You know, they their early ones came from Pennsylvania, and then later on we tried some Florida coons, and they didn't do very well, and then we we got some out of West Texas that that seemed to survive pretty well, but there was always dogs around, dogs in the picture. And when I was a kid, my earliest memories were looking in the Sears catalog, and they had advertisements for dogs. They had little, best I remember is like little postage stamp size pictures of these different breeds of dogs and you could order them through Sears. <laughs> and of course I never did order one. Uh, uh, didn't have any money to order one if I wanted it. But, uh, but that dog fascination has always been there for me. And I'm sure it has for you. What was your dad a hunter at all? My dad was not a hunter. He, uh, he, uh, he worked all the time. Yeah. But occasionally he would go squirrel hunting uh, if he wasn't too busy, and right. uh, I would I would tag along with him, and we would uh, go to the mountains. And he loved to find bee bee trees. 
yeah, and get and get the honey out, and we would go to the mountains and and hunt for bee trees, and we would dig ginseng. But as far as being a nine hunter, no, he never was. You know, I read so many stories about frontier life and things and, and the early settlers in this country and all. They talked about coursing a bee, uh, bees, you know. I guess they'd watch the honeybees go to water, and then they'd follow them, you know, their flight back to and try to find the tree and whatever. Did Do you remember any of that? Oh, yeah, I remember it good, Steve, because I— I watched my dad. He would, uh, in the summertime, he would go near a creek, and he would try to find where bees was coming in to water. Right. And he would take a quart can lid and pour a little honey in it, and he would put flour on top of that honey. And he would set that lid down where those bees were getting water. Well, they would come. And they'd find that honey, and, you know, one would get in it. And, of course, he'd get that flower, that white flower all over him. And then Dad would watch him, and the bee would come up, and he'd make one circle. He said that bee's going to make one circle, and he's going to fly in a straight line to the tree. And when he made that circle, Dad would time him with his watch and see how long he was gone. And when that same bee would come back, Dad would say, well, he's been gone five minutes or eight minutes or ever how long, you know, he was gone. And he could walk almost to that bee tree. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> yeah. How You know, the, the, the pioneers and the, and the homesteaders, whatever you choose to call them, the mountain people, and I guess they did this all over the country too, but... You know, they were so resourceful, you know. They learned how to do things. You know, that was the thing with my dad. He was always teaching me things like that. Now, he didn't teach me how to course bees, but, you know, there were all kinds of things like that that he was always telling me about as a kid, you know. And uh, he, he little expressions, he'd say, you know, when the oak leaves get the size of a squirrels ear then that's when you're supposed to plant i think your corn or something <laughs> i don't remember <laughs> yeah yeah well well dad always kept bees he would keep seven or eight stands of bees and he would he would go out on sundays he, he worked six days a week but hmm. he would not he would not work on sunday right he, he said that was the day that the lord provided for us to rest yep and he rested on Sunday, but he would take a chair and go out and sit by his bees. And he would say, a bee learns a person. And uh, anybody else that fools with them will make them mean. But that person that they learn can handle the bee and rob the honey. And I've seen him take the honey off and not even have to smoke the bees. Just Yeah. Barehanded. Bare wow. Yeah. yeah, that that that's amazing, and so much yeah. a part of our history and our culture, you know. And of course, I'm 
I'm sure there's a lot of beekeepers still, you know, here in Florida. I think there's a lot of bees. And, and you know, that's the, the bears can really wreak havoc on those uh, bees, you know. And I remember uh, one time there in West Virginia when my son was real small that they uh, they killed a, a bear that, that had been robbing the bees, you know, and they figured it was up in the thousands of dollars that that one bear had uh, had cost those those beekeepers, you know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. yeah. So, okay. So how did you come about your first coon dog? Well, <clears throat> me and my dad was sitting on a porch one Sunday evening. Uh, like I told you before, we lived in the last house in the hall. Well, it wasn't quite dark. And we heard this dog tree. And, of course, I didn't know he was treed, but my dad did. He said, son, you hear that dog up in the holler? I said, yeah. He said, he's treed. And I said, well, I haven't seen nobody go up the holler to go hunting. He said, no. He said, that dog has come across a mountain or something. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, let's, let's, let's go to him, Dad. Well, he hesitated. <laughs> so finally he gave in. He said, okay. Yeah. So he got the twenty-two rifle, and we walked up the holler. There was no mining road uh, <laughs> that you could walk in. And uh, we walked up and got up there to where that dog was, and he had a groundhog tree. <laughs> and he was a black and tan dog. Uh, high, he had a high, uh, tan up on his legs and he was yeah. short eared. So mm -hmm. I don't think he was all hound. He was mixed up. Right. Uh, but he had a beautiful mouth and, uh, dad shot that groundhog out to him. Yeah. Of course, when he, we didn't have a dog leash, but, uh, old dog, he followed us home <laughs> <laughs> and he just, and he just stayed. And, yeah. uh, there was five of us boys, and one of us kept him in the woods all the time. And he okay. loved to go. He loved to go hunting. Did and he treat squirrels? He treated squirrels. He treated possums. Uh, he, you know, anything and climb. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, if he seen you come through the house with the gun in your hand, he knew what to do. Yeah. Boy, he he would get up and he he was ready to go hunting. <laughs> of course, we never did tie dogs. You know, they just run loose back there where I live. Yeah. And uh, as long as you hunted that dog, he was happy. And uh, that was the first dog that I ever had that would tree. What What and, was his name? Do you remember? Uh, we called him Blackjack. I got you. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's so typical of the stories that my dad told, you know, about when he grew up in Tennessee and they had a couple of cur dogs and, you know, just that same kind of thing there. The dog would virtually tree anything, you know, with, with fur on it. And, uh, well, that, so did you, uh, then, um, you were a young man still at home at that time. I was, I was, I was still in the, in school. Uh -huh. I was probably about the seventh or eighth grade. Right. I got up one, I got up one morning to go to school. My mother would get up and fix breakfast for, for us kids and she'd get us off to school and 
she'd pick up the milk bucket and she would go to the barn as we was leaving and milk the cow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, and as we was uh, leaving for school, I heard that dog treed. And uh, he was above the garden up, up on the side of the hill in the woods. And I said, Mom, can I go to that dog? She said, no, you can't go to that dog. <laughs> You're going to school. And uh, so I went on to school. Well, that evening when I come home, that dog was still treed. Wow. And and I said, Mama, has that dog been home? She said, no. said, that dog's been up for all day treed. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) And, boy, I got to 22, and off I went. I went to that dog, and he was— he was up a big tree, and it had a hole in the bottom of it. So what was on the inside of that tree, I'll never know. <laughs> but he stayed there with it all day. Old Black Jack and would stay treed, would he? He would stay treed. <laughs> so I took him on home and fed him in the water. <laughs> yeah. Did he bark on track at all? He was dead silent on mm-hmm. the track. Yeah. 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 Typical of that that day and the yes. that kind of uh, you know I I lived on the edge of a, 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 a town and would hunt you know uh, after school and so forth and uh, of course in by the time I was about eight years old is when my dad got his first plot uh, registered dog you know so we, that's about what we had from that point on. Uh, well then. Um, was it when you got married later and all that you bought your own dogs and started no, uh, uh, kind of coon hunting, or how'd that go? No, uh, it wasn't then. I I was still uh, living at home, but I was working. I then went to barber school, and I'd come back to Grundy, and I was working in a barber shop there. And I had, you know, I had a little money. I, I made forty or fifty dollars a week, and I heard about a. A well fellow came in the shop one day and got his hair cut, and he said he had a, a pup he wanted to sell. And I said, well, what kind is he? He said, he's a red tick. So I went to his house, and he had a, I believe he was nine months old, a red tick male. And uh, and I bought that dog. I think I gave him $20 for him. And he was a full hound. And I mm-hmm. took him home and... Uh, of course, the dog didn't have papers, you know, back then. And I took him home, turned him loose, and he pretty much just trained himself. We just hunted him, and he'd tree everything, too. And, yeah. Uh, old Blackjack at that time had disappeared. I don't know what happened to him. I, you know, if you had a dog back in them days that would tree, you had to be careful because somebody would get that dog. Mm. And yeah. I've, I've always felt like that uh, old black jacket went down the hall and somebody picked him up. I got you. Well, back then, any, yeah, go ahead, and I have a question for you. Uh, but anyway, I, I hunted that red tick dog up until the time that uh, I decided to get married, and he was still there at the house. But mm-hmm. of course, I couldn't take him. I couldn't take him with me. And, and my dad, he finally let a friend of his have him. I see, yeah. Well, obligations, you know. And, and that's what happens usually, uh, you know, guys. Uh, 
like to hunt maybe with their dad or granddad or uncle or whatever when they're young and then they get distracted uh, usually the distraction is is the girl and uh the, you know and then of course education comes into it and all that but if it's really rooted down deep in your soul which i know it is with you as long as you've been doing it yeah it seemed like uh, you naturally come back to it when you can you know yeah well okay uh, so that was an english dog now is that kind of what persuaded you to kind of follow english dogs because i always associated you with english dogs bob well you know for years i was a director in the in the english association right and i was i was also a inspector for a single res re restoration mm -hmm. so i had a you know, I've traveled to English days a lot, and uh, but that didn't uh, no, that didn't persuade me uh, because after I moved to Manassas, uh, the coon hunting bug was still with me, <laughs> and I met a guy there that uh, had hounds and in the barber shop, and he told me he had a young plot dog mm. about uh, about six months old that. Uh, he said, I like to, I like to sell him. He said, cause I got too many dogs to hunt. So I went to his house that evening after I got off from work and he was a pretty plot dog. He was a saddleback. Right. Had a black saddle with the uh, brindle everywhere else. Right. <laughs> and he was a register dog and he was out of Wayne Jeffrey's dogs. Yeah. And, uh, but anyway, I bought that dog. And I took him home. I lived in an apartment building, but we had a big backyard, and I made him a doghouse and tied him out back. And nobody said I couldn't keep him, so I kept him. <laughs> but I didn't. I didn't really have anybody to hunt with at that time, so I just started. There was a big track of land up up there uh, that the government owned. And uh, you could buy a permission card, and you could okay. hunt that. And it was several hundred acres of land. And it had a, a road all the way through it. You could go through one side and come out the other. There wasn't no way you could get lost. And uh, I started just taking that dog out by himself. And he would work the creeks <laughs> and just smell and smell and I. I said, that dog, you know, he can train himself. So okay. one night, one night he did hit a king, and he run and treated it, king. Yeah. And, of course, the, the season was in, and I give it to him. I had a pistol. I carried a pistol then, and I give him that king. And I didn't have no more trouble with him of treeing a king. Uh he would treat coons on his own. So I finally found another fellow to hunt with. He had walker dogs. And I started hunting my plot with his dogs. But my plot, my plot dog was touchy on the tree. <laughs> mm, living up he, to the reputation. Living up to the reputation. <laughs> uh, he was all right as long as the dog didn't bump him. Yeah. But boy, if one bumped him, he would put him off. Yeah. He liked he liked his spot on the tree. 
Yeah. And he, he didn't like to move around. Right. And I hunted with that guy, and that guy, he finally told me, he said, uh, Bob, if you're going to hunt with me, you're going to have to get you another dog. He said, mm-hmm. because I, he said, we're going to have trouble. I said, okay. So I sold my plot dog. Mm-hmm. And, and I didn't buy another dog. I just hunted with that fella and we, and with his dogs. I didn't get another dog, Steve, until I moved to Christianburg. I see. Now, when you were up there around Manassas, was Berlin and Auburn King up in that area oh, at that yeah. time? They sure was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they was right there. I, I would go to the night hunts. I didn't have a dog, but I would go down and hang around, you know, and talk to the boys and, and watch them draw out. And I'd watch the bench show and the water race. And, uh, oh, yeah, I, uh, I knew both of them guys, and, I, and I've and i seen them throw some fits, too, boy. They was rough guys. <laughs> yeah, they were rough. And, you know, I see so many young people on, on uh, you know, Facebook and social media, and they pull names out of history, you know, and they like to idolize some of these uh, guys and uh, – you know, <laughs> that was a whole different style of hunter than what I was raised to be, Bob. Oh, yeah. And yeah, you I too, I'm sure. And and yeah, maybe yeah. I better just leave that sleeping dog out <laughs> right there, you know. Yeah, because yeah, I can tell you more about Berlin. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. Well, I think anybody around the plot breed or lived around him or anything would always could always share a story or two. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, looking back, um, have you had a favorite dog that you look back on and say, man, I wish I had that one back? Yes, I have, Steve. I, I've had, I've had two favorite dogs. Uh, okay. One was a male and one was a female. But, yeah. uh, yeah, I, I think about that dog, uh, I got his picture hanging in my den in the basement. And yeah. if I had one like him there, I, I wouldn't even fool with another dog. <laughs> Is, was that an English dog, Bob? He was a single registered dog. Uh-huh. His, uh, his, uh, his daddy was a red tick hound uh, that a fella owned up on Clater Lake. Yeah. And, and, uh, and his mama was a, a little walker female mm-hmm. and uh, and we my my friend and my hunting buddy Wes Burton yeah I didn't and I didn't have a dog but Wes had a litter mate to this dog now Wes's found, name is synonymous with that Blue Ridge Coon Hunters Club there yes right? yeah. yeah and uh, but Wes had a litter mate to this dog and he found out about this dog and he he said Bob I want you to go with me tonight uh, somewhere. I said, well, where are you going? He said, well, you'll find out after I get there. <laughs> <laughs> Plenty so kind of close. <laughs> <laughs> so we drove up to Clater Lake and uh, or near there. Uh, and this guy's name was Hugh Hurst. And it was dark. And Wes went up and knocked on his door. And he told him he heard about him having a dog. And he was would sail and he said yeah i got one here 
And Wes said, well, uh, I've got a little mate to him. That's an awful good dog. And he said, what will this dog do? That guy said, well, I guarantee you that this dog will tree a coon and run a fox <laughs> and run a deer. <laughs> he said, I guarantee that. He said, "You, if you want to take him and try him, you're welcome to. But he said, I want $150 for him. Mm, high price. No. Well, Wes said with a guarantee like that, he said, you can't go wrong. <laughs> <laughs> he pulled out $150 and he bought the dog. Well, I was I, I was just kind of getting started uh, in my business, and I bought a barbershop, and and I really couldn't afford to buy a dog at that time. Right. But, but Wes had, he had it in mind all the time to let me have that dog. So mm. I hunted with him, and, and of course, he treated coons with Wes's dog, his four brother. And Wes said one day, he said, Bob, I want to sell you this dog so you'll have a dog to hunt. He was a white dog with red spots on him with not very many ticks. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but anyway, I said, Wes, I don't have the money to buy this dog. He said, I do. he said that money don't bother me. He said, if you want this dog, I want you to have him. And he said, you can pay me anywhere down the road. He said, I don't care if it's a year from now. He said, but I don't want no payments. He said, when you get $150, that's what I got in him, you bring it to me. He said, I don't want $20 here and $20 there. <laughs> <laughs> I said, okay, I'm going to take you up on your deal because I love to hunt. Yeah. And, uh, and to this day, that was my favorite dog. And I hunt him all over the country. I hunted him at Automokes. I hunted him at English Days, Grand American, Southeastern Tree and Walker Days. Uh, I was never ashamed of that dog. He didn't always win his case, but I was always proud of sure. him. Sure. What did you call him, Bob? Bozo. Okay. Now, do you put a kennel name like in front of your dogs, or how do you register? Pilot, Pilot Mountain. Pilot Mountain is how I... I got gotcha. you. Now, it's there's a Pilot Mountain down in North Carolina, and, of course, it's, it's yeah. popular from the Andy Griffiths show. They talk about Mount Pilot, but actually yeah. it's Pilot Mountain. Uh, I don't – is there – there's actually a mountain there called Pilot Mountain? Yes. Yes, it's mm -hmm. right behind my house. <laughs> I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. yeah. Well, I bet yeah. you live in bear country there, don't you, Bob? Oh yeah, I live in bear country. I had uh, I haven't seen any bear this summer, uh, but I think there's been a few through my woods. Uh, last summer I seen four. It was mm -hmm. four that had that yeah. come through here, and uh, I had to get up one Sunday morning and go down. Here. My dogs are just throwing, just really making a racket. Right after daybreak yeah. last year on a Sunday morning, my wife said, something is wrong with them dogs. I said, well, I guess I better get up and go see what it is. I thought maybe a deer had, you know, got close to them. Mm -hmm. But I walked down there to where the dogs are. And, uh, of course, as soon as I got there, 
<laughs> I seen what it was. They was looking across the creek up in a tree, and there was three little baby bears up that tree and a big old sow on the ground. And mm. she was sta- and she was standing up, leaning mm. up on the tree. I guess she was wanting them little ones to come down, or she put them up a tree. Yeah. But uh, but anyway, I quietened the dogs down the best I could, and when she saw me, she took off up in the woods, and then I stood there and watched them little little babies, and they come down the tree one at a time, and she was up in the woods making a a, a noise. Mm-hmm. I guess she was calling them, yeah, <laughs> and they come down the tree one at a time. And took off behind the mama. <laughs> My brother, in the uh, last couple of weeks, he sent me two pictures from his house there. He lives outside of Tazewell, Virginia, and uh, of a of a sow and uh, four cubs. She's got a yeah. got a bunch, but uh, yeah, the black bear has really come back in that part of the country. Of course, oh, it, yeah, it has. yeah, and most and, and most of our coon hunters. Uh, in this part of the country, has switched to bear hunting. Yeah, especially the younger fellows I know. Uh, you know, I go up, you mentioned Heath Hyatt. You give Heath a little plug. He has his own podcast now called The Journey that, through and the I've, uh, and I've Houndsman. Listened to it. I've, yeah. yeah, I've listened to yeah. it. I, I enjoyed the one that he had on. The, he had a lady on there talking about the nose. Uh, yeah, oh yeah. Nose, and I really enjoyed that. And Yep. And she has, in her theory, kind of goes along with what I've always said. Uh, you know, a lot of dogs can smell about the same, but some of them mm-hmm. don't work hard enough. Well, <laughs> they don't want to fool with a cold track. Right, right. Well, I kind of developed uh, the theory, you know, over the years that all dogs have pretty much the same nose, but some of them have a lower uh, threshold of excitability, you know, it takes less right. scent to to uh, interest some than others, you know. But well, listen, there's been a lot of I've got several things I want to ask you, but there's been a lot of well-known coon hunters from uh, your area, of the country there, and uh, I kind of put together just from memory a little list and all, and I thought it might generate some stories. <laughs> about maybe some hunts you've had and all. Everybody from that part of the country, especially around Blacksburg, and you mentioned black and tans earlier and all, remember W.L. Davis or Willie Davis. Did you ever hunt with Willie? Steve, I couldn't tell you how many nights that I was in the woods with Willie Davis. (laughs) Yeah, well, I figured. I knew that you had, but yeah, yeah. tell tell us a good story about hunting with Willie. Well, uh, Willie, Willie was a, he was a colorful man. <laughs> Absolutely. A great, a great promoter. Great promoter. Yes. But as far as a coon hunter goes, he was hard to hunt with. He would call me up at uh, six o'clock. Bob, you want to go hunting today? Uh, I'll, I'll, and I'll come over and just bring two dogs. That, that's fine, Willie. I'll be ready. And he said, I should be there in about an hour or so. Well, at 10 o'clock, he would show up. Mm. And Willie couldn't get off the phone. His phone rang constantly. He he couldn't get away from the phone. And uh, he would show up 
about 10 o'clock and you could go out and get your dog and load it in his truck. Well, he, well, he would have four dogs. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I ever seen him come. He just had two. He would tell you just bring two, but when he come, he would have four. Wow. And you would, you'd go hunting with him. Of course, I had to work the next day, but he did too, but he had a job where he could get his, go in and get his rounds made and he had a little office and he'd go in and go to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I couldn't do that. And you couldn't get him, you couldn't get him out of the woods. Uh, (laughs) He would say, just, uh, just one more drop, just one more drop. He said, we'll treat one more coon and go home. Well, one more you know, led to another one, led to another, <laughs> and you'd drag in at three or four o'clock in the morning. And, yeah, uh, but I hunted, I hunted a lot with them, with them dogs. He had English dogs and he had black and tans. Right. And he had I, old thunder. Used, he had uh, old rawhide was his English dog. English that he dog. liked yep. so well. He liked mm-hmm. he liked that dog, and I never did get to hunt with that dog because. Old Rawhide had died about the time I guess I moved here. Nice. And I never did get to hunt. But Lindell can tell you all about it. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, Lindell spent many yeah. nights in the woods. With, many nights. With, yeah. And and he was along a lot of nights when when I was. Yeah. And uh, But anyway, I hunted with all of them black dogs. And uh, But I handled these English dogs, some of them, in the night hunts. Uh, mm-hmm. for him uh, later on I took a lot of trips with him we would uh, he was the first man that took me to Autumn Oaks uh, yeah. he was the first man to take me to Grand American uh, mm-hmm. he, he was the first man to take me to Bill Boatman's we'd go out there once a year and uh, and hunt at Bill's because uh, Bill was, he had a stud dog at Old Eagle yeah, uh, he leased that dog off of off of Willie Screaming Eagle, and, and we'd go out there once a year, every fall, and hunt with Bill. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he hauled me all over the country. English days, <laughs> I mean, just is he the guy that got you involved in the English Association? He, and he is. Mm-hmm. He is. I figured uh, w- Willie was the president of the English right. Association at that time, and at the at the meeting. He really pushed to get a director in this part of the country because we didn't have one, mm-hmm. and we didn't we we didn't have no representation, director, did you? And mm-hmm. or no inspector or nothing mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. some restoration. Okay, Bob Justice, man, what a great guest he is for us today. I wanted to interrupt Bob just a minute here, and. Uh, Get to the mailbag. I'm going to start doing this a little more on the podcast to acknowledge the people that contact me. I really do appreciate everybody that sends me emails or texts or uh, messenger uh, text uh, um, in relation to the podcast or or just wanting to talk. And uh, I want to acknowledge a couple people here. Uh, Randy Stonebreaker of Sigourney, Iowa sent me a real nice letter and uh, uh, a koozie here. Apparently, Randy is a a deer hunter. He sent a great story about uh, meeting some bear hunters up in Wisconsin 
I wish I could just read the whole story for you. It was uh, really good. But his point being that uh, this hound community is really uh, a tight-knit group of people from across the country, and it's always good to meet new ones. And I, I'm certainly uh, thankful, Randy, for the nice letter and also for the koozie. I'll make good uh, use of that, especially down here in this hot Florida weather. Another uh, little package that I got in the mail here that I really appreciate from Tim Tipton of Vonor, Tennessee. And Tim sent me a coon squalor. Man, this thing really sounds good. It's called the Triple T Coon Squalor Pro Series. Really nice made here. And I'm going to give Tim's phone number here in case. Uh, well, well, we'll put it in the notes here. But uh, at, at uh, the end of the podcast, but um, things sound really good. Uh, three read coon squalor. Can't wait to get that out and try it on some of these coons and in the White River this fall. So really want to thank those guys. And there's several others that I need to acknowledge, but we'll do those two today. And I also take an opportunity to remind you that I did write a book uh, called Gone to the Dogs, A Coon Hunter's Journey. It's 200 pages, 22 or 23 chapters or essays, if you want to call it, all about coon hunting and coon hounds. I'll be happy to send you a signed copy of that. It's a first edition. And I will say that we are getting uh, down in numbers on that book. And I haven't decided yet if I'll reprint it. Uh, some people are asking for a new book. New book. So we might do that too. Haven't decided. But anyway, Gone to the Dogs, A Coon Hunter's Journey is available. You can get it at stevefielderbooks.com or the duhuntingsupply.com uh, book library there. They have several hound-related books, and, and you can also find it there. Well, talking to my good friend, Bob Justice from the great state of Virginia, Bob, is, uh, we kind of interrupted you there and all. We were talking about a fella that uh, one of the most colorful guys that I ever met in the sport of coon hunting. And uh, I told a little story, I think, maybe on the last podcast about uh, Willie Davis. And his. Uh, he was asked by Fred Miller before Fred hired me at UKC, uh, to give him a little bit of information about this fielder boy from over West Virginia. And, and Willie's answer was, was kind of humorous. But anyway, Bob, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit more about your relationship with Willie Davis. I think we were talking about how he kind of got you involved with the uh, United English uh, Breeders Association. Yes, he did, Steve. And, uh, and I served, served as a director for, I don't can't remember how how long, but uh, I enjoyed that. I got to meet a lot of people uh, that I never would have met otherwise. And uh, the years that I spent with Willie, uh, I learned a lot. And I often told him, uh, so I said, Willie, you're a smart man. If you directed all your smarts in the right direction, you could have been president of the United States. <laughs> and, he, and he'd laugh about that. But uh, Fred Miller come down several times to visit with Willie when he was in this part of the country. He would stop by, and Willie would always invite me. 
and uh, we would meet at a restaurant somewhere in Christianburg and always yeah. have dinner. So I enjoyed uh, that aspect of it. Willie wasn't the most pleasant guy to travel with. He would meet so many people and get into deep conversations. Uh, you would eat your meal in a restaurant and get up and go outside and he would be in there talking. You'd have to wait on him for another hour. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and in a motel room at a night hunt, if you stayed in a motel room at night, he would invite all these people to come by where well, the room would be full of coon hunters. And there you was trying to go to bed. <laughs> and that was, and they'd be knocking on the door early the next morning. I mean, he always oh, yeah. had a, a crowd around him. He did for but, sure. Uh, and I don't know uh, if we've mentioned it before that break there uh, about the fact that he was just the life of the party in the clubhouse, you know, when oh, he certainly was, he certainly yeah. was. And, uh, I'll tell you just one other little story about him, and then we'll move on. Uh, he was in a competition hunt, and a friend of mine was in that cast. And uh, the dogs were running a, a good track, and Willie knew they was going to tree pretty quick. So he had a heart attack. He just fell over on the ground, and he told them fellas that he was having a a heart attack and holding his chest and and of course the handlers of the other dogs they gathered around him and uh, and and about that time Willie said well, what tree my dog <laughs> oh, <laughs> so, he jumped, so he jumps up and they take off to the tree and Willie's fine <laughs> he had a miraculous but recovery when that dog he came did. straight. Huh? He did. Can you imagine uh, a guy did. pulling something like that in? And <laughs> I, I, I but but he had those little tricks that he would use. <laughs> and, oh uh, yeah, yeah. He but, was quite a character. You know, I, but with Will, with Willie being who he was, uh, you know, <laughs> nobody said that much. So <laughs> yeah. Well, but anyway. But anyway, I enjoyed my time with him and, mm -hmm. and right up until he died. Yeah, but, uh, I know I've often talked with our mutual friend, Lindell Price. And of course, Lindell was, uh, worked with me at UKC. And, uh, and then when I left, uh, well, while I was at PKC, he stayed with UKC. And then when I went to the AKC, I was trying to put a team there together. And I hired Lindell. He came along with me there. So I spent a lot of time with Lindell over the years, and of course he would always come up in the fall and hunt with me in Michigan. Wish you could have made one of those trips, Bob. Uh, I always wanted to. Yeah, see, yeah. You know, those boys worked at a job where they got paid. <laughs> they, yeah. they they used their time uh -huh. uh, for that. Right. And I worked right. at a job when I wasn't there. I didn't get paid. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> right. And yeah, yeah, got to pay the bills. That's for sure, gotta especially if you bills. have a family. That's for. That I, I had a I had a business that I had to take care of. Well, let's talk yeah. about another fella that I think about a lot when I uh, or down through the years, uh, and when I thought about Southwest West Virginia, and I'm sure you knew this fella, 
And I somehow kind of associated him with Willie down through the years because it was kind of the same type of personality. Uh, do you remember any stories at all about Dean Testerman from Marion, Virginia? Well, I never, I never did get the pleasure hunt with Dean. Okay, but I all, I always saw him at the competition hunts. Right, and he was always at the Christianburg hunts. Uh, yep. He judged the dog shows for us. Right, and sometimes he would serve as master of hounds. The only time I was ever in the woods with Dean, and I, I knew him many years, but right. the only time I ever had the opportunity to be in the woods with him, he judged me one night at Southeastern Train Walker Days, mm -hmm. and he was a judge on my cast. And right. I was hunting that little English dog that I liked so well, uh, Bozo. We talked right. about him earlier. Mm -hmm. And several of those... Uh, those guys in the case, they looked at me and they said, well, you're from Virginia. I said, yeah. I said, I'm from up in the mountains. And they said, well, your dog probably won't do too good down down here because uh, we're going to be hunting the swamps tonight. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, we'll see. Yeah. But my dog, my dog was raised around water. <laughs> <laughs> And we turned loose in those swamps, and I tell you, that little dog, he put on a show. And uh, and old Dean, old Dean, he just bragged and bragged, and every time, you know, uh, my dog would strike and they'd be running a coon, and he'd say, come on, Bozo, come on, Bozo. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I don't know how it made the other guys feel. Oh, but anyway... Yeah, but anyway, I placed him at that night. I think it was fourth place in the in the hunt, <laughs> and I also placed him another time. I think about eighth place, but that was the only time I ever got to really get in the woods with Dan. Okay, but, well, you know, Dean I, was a great guy and very active, you know, of course, oh, yeah, there and yeah. with his Walker dogs and and I went to his club there in Marion, you know, where where in yeah. one night he guided us and he took us up on the mountain there uh of uh, 81 uh, uh going back I guess let's see from Marion you'd be going back toward Bristol I guess up toward Abingdon up that way yeah, uh yeah. back up on the mountain we were way back up there on the ridge we could see traffic down on the interstate from where we were hunting i remember getting a phone call from uh uh you know the president of southeastern uh trim walker association randy hall and of course randy has passed on now too uh, but he told me about that he'd gotten a call that Dean had passed away. And he said, I know you knew you and Dean were, were friends and you'd known him for a long time. And, and also, I, you always hate to get those phone calls. Boy, Bob, I tell you, at this, at our age, or especially mine, I, I think about it is, is, you know, I'm losing my friends and, uh, I don't like that. You know, it's, uh, it, these, those guys that you had so many good memories, uh, about down through the years and uh, you know being from southwest virginia where you are and maybe you have some other stories that you'd like to relate about willie did we did we kind of finish with willie or do you have some more stories yeah uh, i'll just go ahead and finish with willie and 
I'm going to go ahead to something okay. else. Joseph. Okay. Well, I wanted to talk to you about some of the people that are around you there that I knew for so many years because, you know, it's – is really kind of like old home week for me because I hunted those same club, you know, and those hunts that you did years ago, especially since I came home from service in 73. Now, I was hunting in the night hunts and all, uh, you know, to 69 when I uh, went into the military and just loved it, but I had to take a four-year break. But uh, the... I don't know which one we want to talk about first. The fella named Wimp, Wimpy Hilton. Now, did Wimpy live in Marion or uh, or Bastion, or where did he live around there? He lived uh, probably in Bastion, there in Bland County. Bland County, right. That's where Wimpy lived, yeah. Did you ever hunt out of that club at Whitegate, Virginia? Uh, yes, yes, I did. I hunted out of that club. Uh, I never did get to hunt with Wimpy, mm-hmm. but but I saw him at every. He would make every hunt. Yes, and even after he got older and wasn't competition hunting anymore, he still would come to the hunts. Yeah, he liked to, he liked to see the people, and he'd stand around and talk. And the last time I saw him. Before he died, he was at the Christianburg. I see. Uh, hunt, uh, him and Eddie Hogue. I and, was uh, just going to ask you, or I had that name on my list, because that's yeah. another fellow from Bland County that yeah. was really a legend around there, but he was more of a bear hunter than a coon hunter, right? Yeah, he was. He was, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, Yes. Wimp Hilton was a fella that was just always so friendly yeah, and just was. epitomized a guy that he just seemed like he was glad to see you every time you saw him. Every, every, time. Time. every time. Yeah. And he would come over to our hunts over in Raleigh County, West Virginia sometimes. And I know another guy from your area down there around Pulaski, Leo Nestor showed yeah. dogs yeah. and he would come to our bench show. he'd usually just pull in enter his dog wipe everybody off the bench with those beautiful walkers he had and get yeah. back in his truck and go down the road i mean yeah. leo wasn't much of a talker but boy he sure had some good looking walker dogs yeah, he put a lot of time in with them dogs you know on the bench mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. he yeah he had some good looking dogs and he loved to win yep yeah, well, another guy, I'm throwing all these out there to you because I know you're bound to know them, uh, and I, we didn't rehearse this in any way. Another fellow from down that part of the country I just mentioned was Bill Draper. You knew Bill? Oh, yeah, I knew Bill well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He was a good fellow, a bear hunter mainly. Yeah, he was a bear hunter mainly, but he would coon hunt too. Yeah. And, and I drew out with him a couple times on – competition hunts and he was always fun to be around he liked yeah. to joke and carry on and yeah and him and eddie hogue was big big buddies yeah yeah, yeah. well you know i tell you like I, there, there's got to be people you know all over the country and and parts of the world that listen to these podcasts and so i know that they're not going to know these people or recognize them but that's one of the 
uh, benefits or perks of being able to have a podcast is to when I get somebody on like you that knows some of the same people that I knew, it's just a lot of fun to catch up you know, and, and, and rekindle the memories of those people. And I'll tell the listeners, you know, this part of the world that you come from was very, very heavily populated with good coon hunters and good dogs. And there was a lot of good dogs that came out of that part of the country. Um, there's another hunter there that would qualify probably a little bit more as a bear hunter, uh, than a coon hunter maybe, but I've, you know, I've certainly coon hunted with him and, and always Lance Hutton. Do you know Lance? Yeah. Yeah. Everybody in this part of the country knows Lance. Huh? I've known Lance for many, many years. I've coon hunted with him. I never did bear hunt with him. Mm-hmm. He invited me over to go with him one time. I used to bear hunt some, I but you. I never, but I never did keep a bear dog but i would go along with these guys and i went over one morning to bear hunt with lance and i steve there were so many people it was like a convoy <laughs> lined up to go hunting with lance and i and after i saw all of them people i couldn't even get to lance <laughs> <laughs> I was backed up so far. Like I going to started, a Trump rally. Yeah, <laughs> it was. Yeah, they wanted to see old Homer go because Homer was, uh, he was the top bear dog at that time in this part of the country. And well, everybody wanted to, wanted to see him go and get a chance to shoot a bear, I guess. But anyway, I didn't get to go. I just turned around and come back home. <laughs> <laughs> well, pick it, pick him at another time. Uh, yeah, I uh, through another mutual friend of ours I know, uh, Dale Breeding. Uh, you know, we call him Pappy, and Dale was the guy that always came every year with Lindell Price up to Michigan and hunt with me. And of course, a lot of fun to hunt with. A lot of fun to hunt with, yeah. and uh, he always liked to refer to Lance and the oh, way Lance talked. Talk. He sounds just like Lance. <laughs> yeah, just the way like he could talk. You know? yeah, just like him. Yeah. yeah, I did get to go to hunt with uh, Dale and Lance before. You know, Lance had an uh, an accident. I think you probably know about where he uh, accidentally got shot. Uh, and, yeah. and uh, lost uh, an arm or a hand or something, but yeah, right before, lost, yeah. yeah, he lost part. He lost part of uh, both hands. Mm. Uh, he he still got a couple of fingers left, I think, on one, and maybe yeah, one or two on the other one. But that was a bad accident. Well, it was, yeah. and before that, I had gone over there to go coon hunt i was i had a couple of plot pups that were young and i took uh, the male pup with me and he didn't do anything that night just wandered around there kept us company uh lance was hunting a little walker female and i don't remember exactly what dale was hunting that night but we walked those those steep ridges around there you know and we ended up getting on a bear and the dog baying that bear and walking it and all that. And it, about, it walked us a pretty good bit that night. But, uh, yeah, ju- just another. 
can't say uh, mention Lance Hutton without mentioning the fact that he was a legendary bear hunter in that part of the country. And he had that dog, old Homer, that was Walker and black and tan. Uh, Homer's daddy was a, was a pure between Walker dog and his mother was a black and tan female out of that. We mentioned Willie Davis's a screaming Eagle dog, I believe was what his mother was, but, uh, old Homer and you'll hear Heath Hyatt on another podcast, talk about Homer and the pups that he had out of him and, he was a legendary for sure. I did not get to hunt with him. I did hunt with some of his offspring, you know. Yeah. Heath had one he called Frosty that I hunted with uh, some and all. But Lance, you can't talk about Lance without talking about a little bit of the fact that he's kind of an eccentric guy. He's a little different. He always clipped the ends of the tails off on his dogs. Yeah. Do you remember that, Bob? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I certainly do. Yeah, Lance, Lance has been here at my house and hunted with me, and I've been over there and hunted with him as coon hunting. Yeah. And, uh-huh. and I'll, I'll tell you this story about Lance before we move on. You know, uh, for years, we would always go to Kenton, Kenton Nationals. Oh, yeah. In, Man, you yeah. must have a lot of good <laughs> stories coming out of Kenton. And, and, and we would uh, stop, stop there and then journey on to the Autumn Oaks hunt. And, uh, well, anyway, uh, O.L. Beckham was oh, there. Yeah. yeah. And he had a whole string of dogs. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Mr. Beckham was sitting right in the middle of it. And Lance, he said, I'm going to trade dogs with that man before I leave here today. <laughs> <laughs> and I kind of laughed. Lance was a, a dog trader, too. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I didn't see the Lance no more for a while, and uh, and then I saw him that evening there, and I said, well, did you make a trade with O.L.? He said, oh, yeah. He said, I traded with him. And uh, I said, well, I hope you come out. He said, well, he said, I don't care whether I come out or not. He said, I just want to say that I traded dogs with O.L. back <laughs> 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 oh, well, you but know, I but I don't think he got anything. But, mm. <laughs> but oh, well, probably didn't either. <laughs> well, oh, well, that's true. You know, I, so many memories surrounding the Kenton National, but my parents wouldn't let me go when I was younger. And then yeah. I got involved in the UKC hunts and all, and I wanted to go to Autumn Oaks instead of the Kenton National. But for the listeners out there that may not know what the Kenton Kenton National field trials and water races and all was probably the biggest coonhound associated flea market and uh, uh, in the country uh, started by Eddie Ross, the famed blue tick man. And Eddie was instrumental back in the very early days of the night hunts. And he had a hunt called the mountain, uh, mountain music hunt and, and all that. But uh, the guys in my neighborhood, all the coon hunters or dog traders, they'd start gathering up anything that remotely looked like a tree dog yeah. uh, before Kenton, and they'd haul them up there. And I remember two brothers, particularly Virgil and Lacey Adkins. Uh, I don't know if you ever ran into them at some of the hunts, but uh, the, they were well-known coon hunters there from southern West Virginia. <laughs> and they'd go with a truckload of dogs. 
and they'd come back with a truckload of dogs, and some of the dogs they came back with was the same ones they took, and they probably traded two or three times in between taking them up there and bringing them back. But Virgil would always say, just draw you a little boot. Just got to gotta draw you a little boot, you know. Yeah. And, and, and that's what they do. They'd sit around and trade those dogs. And, uh, and oh, man, that's a part of coon hunting culture that has pretty much gone away. Uh, yes, you do. Is. You do see yeah. some of it, like at the Grand American, and right. and a lot of people would certainly frown on dog traders and dog jockeys, and for for good cause, I guess. But that was yes, all sir. part of the culture back in the day, wasn't it? Yes, it was, and I, I, I guess Kenton was the most the most. I don't know if there's all coon hunters or not, but the most people that I oh, yeah. ever saw gathered together in one place mm -hmm. and they had a row a whole row of uh, nothing but dog supplies yeah and, and then they had what they call traders row and mm -hmm. it was laid out row by row and uh, i got to meet bertanoni at yeah. nationals i got to meet tc jones from mississippi Yep. Yeah, I got to meet him there. I got to meet uh, the guy out of California, Hill. O.W. Hill. Uh, O.W. Hill. I got to meet him there. I got to meet uh, Joe Joe Milton, I believe. That had a from from Indiana, Melton. Yeah, Joe I Melton. Got to meet him, mm -hmm. and I yeah, I can't. I, I just don't know how many people I got to meet there. And O.L. Beckham, you know, you probably uh, met John Wick. There too, I and John think. and John Wick. Yeah, I met I met him. Of course, I you know I've seen him for years at Autumn Oaks and right. Months, but, yes, and uh, I, I just got to meet so many people, and I enjoyed that so much. Well, and you here, mean, go ahead, yeah. And here about uh, I don't know how many years it's been now, but it's been a few back. We was going to Autumn Oaks, and I told my brother. I said, I know a place I would like to stop off and just show you what it's like. And he said, okay. So we left early in the week, and we went to Kenton. <laughs> and we found us a place to park and paid to get over in the area, you know. And mm -hmm. you know there wasn't any coon hunters there. It was all flea market. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I've heard that it changed yeah, over the years. All three. I was so disappointed. It, it just. Well, you know, my I met a, a a real dear friend when I moved to Michigan. I didn't know very many coon hunters up there. I just knew a couple, and they were plot men, Dennis Paulson and John Cripe. And I hunted with both those guys when I first went to UKC. But I met a gentleman that liked the black and tan breed, and he was already pretty well retired from coon hunting. His name was Bud Bauer, and he lived just north of Kalamazoo there, and a really great guy. He always he always went to black and tan days, and he always went to Kenton. And he had a, a rigged up a wagon with bench seats, they were like back-to-back, -back, a bench there where people could sit on it and ride. And they he would park his rig out and ride in, you know, to Kenton. And they, they went every year, and they loved it and had a ball. And it was really uh, all part of this evolution of coon hunting 
uh, that came along. You know, Kenton was there. That's the location that Lester Nance held the first UKC uh, licensed bench show at uh, what they called it, Leafy Oaks, back in that day. And uh, there's so much rich history of the sport of coon hunting. And, you know, I always think of Ohio from reading Full Cry and American Cooner Mountain Music magazines back in the day about all the field trials and all the water races and all. What do you remember about the Kenton, the layout and what, what you did? Did you did you stay up at night and watch the water races and all that? Yes, I, I did. And, uh, and I was r- really disappointed. Uh, in the water races and the field trials boats because uh, I've been associated with hounds in Mm -hmm. in water races and field trials. And and I was really pumped up to see all this. And here they started them (laughs) and brought out a bunch of greyhounds. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh And I – and I didn't enjoy that at all. And the field field trials, they just run them across the field. It wasn't a very big field, and those dogs didn't even bark. Mm, and, uh, they yeah. run over and look up a tree, <laughs> <laughs> not even so. So I didn't. I really didn't get very excited. I about got it. you. Yeah. yeah, well, being a, a, a authentic, let's say, coon hunter and loving the hound, a true hound, I agree with you. I didn't see much in that either i one of my earliest memories is going to a coon dog field trial with my dad and i talk about that in my book uh you know but back in the day where i grew up we didn't have night hunts it was a good while before we even had any you know just what we call buddy hunts or uh non-licensed hunts but uh well, Kenton certainly uh, got a, got the blame for a lot of different things. It wasn't probably the most wholesome place you could go at times, and all. But there was certainly a, a during the daytime. It was a gathering of coon hunters and uh, and uh, all the things that went around with coon hunters. Do you remember Bill Boatman's uh, set up there at, at Kenton? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he always had a large uh, area there. Yeah, Bill was really the the forerunner of pretty well. I don't know if he's the first. I know there was home down in Tennessee that sold dog supplies and various ones. Uh, the uh, uh, oh, the company I just saw it the other day, and I can't think of the name of it. That one company up in northern uh, Ohio up there that was a uh, coon den. You remember Coon Den? Yeah. 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 Sure yeah. yeah. Well, getting back, swinging back down to, to Southwest Virginia, uh, there's a couple brothers there that I've heard so much about all my life, uh, all ever since I've been active in coon hunting. And that's uh, not the guys that invented the airplane, but the Wright yeah. brothers, Sylvan and, yeah. and Wimp. Right. Yeah. yeah. What What can you tell us about those fellas and, and what you well, know about them? Uh, both both of them are getting some age on them now, and right. they've slowed they've slowed down a little bit, but they have probably been as good a coon hunters as this part of the country has ever seen, and both of them both of them know how to train a dog, 
And uh, Sylvan, there was a time when he hunted every night. Every night he would be in the woods. A wimp, wimp trained a lot of dogs, and when he'd get them to a certain point, he would sell them, usually for a pretty good price. But I've hunted with both of those guys, and uh, I went hunting one time with their dad, and that's been years ago. Uh, they had a dog out of uh, Carolina Casey. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I went to their house one night and went with went with w- Wimp and his dad. His dad's name was Kaiser. And uh, and and both of them are fine fellas. Uh, I really like them both. And well, I wanted to uh, – now, are they around Hillsville, Virginia there? Uh, or where did they Sil- live? Sylvan lives in Floyd County. Okay. And and Wimp lives in Carroll County, mm-hmm. uh, not not quite to to Hill to Hillsville, but close over that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, over that way. Mm-hmm. Well, I have always heard, and a lot of it through Lindell Price because he hunted with them a lot and also got dogs, I think, and probably got some of his start in the Walker dogs that he he did. He uh-huh. he bought the he bought the old drum dog, right. Uh, off a wimp and uh, <laughs> yeah, Lindell. I'm sure he's told you the story about buying that dog. He went to the bank and borrowed the money, <laughs> <laughs> and the guy asked him what he wanted it for. He said he wanted to buy a dog. A <laughs> yeah. guy said, "He said, well, I, he said I can't write this up as a loan to buy a dog." <laughs> he said, "We're just going to have to make it a personal loan." <laughs> and I say. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't no, understand no. the concept of what some of these coon dogs <laughs> no. called, did he? Yeah, no, yeah. they do not. Well, <laughs> when I had John Monroe on the podcast way back, and he talked about the same thing. I think it was his yeah. mother or somebody loaned him. I don't remember where it was. He borrowed the money anyway. Yeah. Or no, and that I get my stories mixed up sometimes, Bob. But uh, anyway, he was talking about that kind of the same thing. The bank said, "I think uh, I listened. I, yeah. I listened to that one, yeah. and I think he did. He he did mention that. Yeah, he borrowed the money from his right. sister or something. Yeah, know? yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. and I think yeah. that even goes goes back to Dale Brandenburger. I think when he got started with the plots. Yeah. He had to right. borrow some money from family, you know, to 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 go but, out to North Carolina yeah, and buy boy. some of those dogs. But but Lindell wanted that dog bad, and he really didn't have anything. Uh, uh, he had dogs that would run a tree, but you know he he wanted something to to breed. Yeah, and uh, and that and that got him started with the line of dogs he's got today. I, they they still go back to drum. Yeah, they sure do. They sure do. Yeah, my buddy Lindell, you know, he was, uh, he'll always be, you know, we all have friends in life, Bob, and I consider you one of them. And I, I always am glad to see you. And, and, and it's always a pleasant experience. And there are lots and lots of friends, but we also have kind of like an inner circle of friends, you know, that we're a little closer to than everybody else. And, and I, we got that circle here, and uh, yeah, Lindale is. Pro- I've probably hunted with Lindale as much as anybody that I've ever hunted with. Yeah, and, and we've been in the woods lots and lots of times. And, uh, well, I've hunted with every dog that he's ever owned 
right. Stamps drum. <laughs> yeah. And I'll tell you a little story about him. I don't know if you're going to mention him or not. Oh, you go right ahead, man. This yeah, is story I'll time. <laughs> I'll tell you a little story about him. It had been years and years ago, but he had drum. He had done purchased drum. And they was all the most within North Carolina. It was the mm -hmm. only time I think they ever came was. this far south. Yeah, it was in, in yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, Winston-Salem. Winston-Salem. So we both went. We rode my truck, and we hunted in the hunt. And uh, Lindell hunted drum. I think he had drum at that time. And... Uh, Anyway, we signed up and drew out. We got us a motel room. Went to the fire ground, signed up, and when it come to draw out, we drew out in separate case. And Lindell told me, he said, now, Bob, if you get in before I do, you wait on me here. He said, because I won't have a ride to the motel. All right. And I said, okay, if I get in before you do, I said, I'll wait on you. And I said, and, and we'll go to our room. Well, along about midnight, I got in. Mm -hmm. So I went in I went in the headquarters building there to check see if Lindell's cash had come in, and it hadn't come. So I go out, and I sat in the truck. Well, I sat out there for about an hour, and every truck that would pull in, I would get out of my truck and see if it was Lindell's cash. It wasn't. <laughs> so I'd go back and sit in the truck some more. <laughs> and I'd see a bunch of other trucks come in, and I'd get out again and check. No Lindale. Well, that went on all night. Hmm. Well, it got, to, it got about to break a day. So i get out of my truck, and i go back in the clubhouse, and several hundred standing around talking. So I started asking them. I said, uh, is anybody in here had Lindell Price in their cast? And some fella spoke up. He said, oh, yeah. He said, he was in my cast. He said, we dropped him off at the motel, and I, <laughs> and I was supposed to come and tell you. He said, and I forgot all about it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> so I go back out, and I get in the truck, and I drive to the motel. I opened the door and there laid Lindell in the bed to sleep with his dog laying in the bed with him. <laughs> uh, you uh, should have woke him up and got him out. Oh, I did. <laughs> I did. I turned the light on. And when I turned the light on, he kind of raised his head up a little bit. He said, well, where you been? <laughs> oh. I said, I've been sitting down all night waiting on you. He said, didn't them guys come and tell you? I said, no. He uh, said, well, they drove right by here, so I just got them to let me off. <laughs> I said, Lindell, get out of that bed. I said, we're going to go get us some breakfast. <laughs> he said, "He said, well, I want to sleep some more. I said, you have enough sleep. Get out of there. <laughs> That's right. Roll him out of there, man. <laughs> I rolled him out. <laughs> Oh, uh, boy, the many, many, many stories that we could tell about stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, communication before cell phones. You know, now, you know, these coon hunters, as soon as they get 
uh, get a cast when they're on the phone texting somebody from oh, the yeah. woods to tell all their buddies, and it's on Facebook before they get back to the clubhouse. But it didn't used to be that way. We didn't have phones. We didn't have cell phones or any way to communicate with each other, but just eye to eye, really. So, well, well what um, – let me see here. I wanted to uh, – well, uh, Everett Dalton – the Blue Dog Man. Did you ever hunt yeah. with Everett? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I hunted with Everett. I've gone to his house and pleasure hunted with him. I've competition hunted with him in the same cast. Everett was a great guy, and he was a uh, a great sport. Uh, very easygoing. Uh, uh, you know, always was fair, honest. Uh, never tried to pull anything over on anybody. And uh, he was a deluxe big show judge. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, yeah. he was just a great guy. He always kept a big pack of dogs. Anytime you went went there, he'd have a litter of puppies. <laughs> and he sold oh, a lot yeah. of them. Well, I uh, knew uh, Everett for several years, but I went to his house as well. And I picked up a couple of beagles, and we took them back to Michigan. And Todd Kellum at UKC got one of those dogs, and a fellow named, um, uh, not Larry Wardinger, but his brother, and he's going to shoot me. He probably is not listening to this podcast, but his first name will come to me in a minute. But anyway, uh, Boone and Crockett, we called them. Those dogs came from Everett, and that's, um, you know, uh, when I went there and, and I had a really good time and we stayed and we talked about, he had a little, uh, 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 what is that? Colt Woodsman pistol that, uh, I don't have one of those in my collection and he had a real nice one there, but I couldn't talk him out of it. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody that's got those. You you just can't hardly get them. <laughs> I know it. I know yeah. it. I probably never shoot it, but I'd like to have <laughs> one. You know. But yeah, uh, yeah that's another was guy. Those, was those beagles blue checked or, or tricolor? No, actually, these were tricolor dogs. Okay. But uh, so he he had, he had, he had mm-hmm. some. Yeah, yeah, he had some blue checked. He, I think he told me he got them out of Missouri or somewhere. Mm. But after he got. You know, after he got older and he had a, you know, Everett had a light stroke. And, yeah, uh, and then, yeah. And he got involved more in the Beagles than he did the Coonhounds, but because he wasn't able to follow the Coonhounds in the woods. Right, right. And, uh, but he was a great guy. I enjoyed him, and, and, and I really miss him. Well, who were yeah. some of the older hunters that you remember when you were a young man coming up through? the coon hunting there that, that were kind of the stalwarts of the sport around there. Do you remember any well, of them? Well, Charlie Whitlock comes yeah. to mind right off mm-hmm. the bat. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he was one of the older hunters, and uh, and Charlie was a great guy. He was yes, a good he was. Promoter. He was a good promoter, and he was a good hunter. And uh, he and Billy Bond, uh, Wendell's dad, Okay. I was going to yeah, mention he, Wendell. Wendell will be mad. He'll be all puffed up at me <laughs> if I don't mention his name on here. I, well, when, I guess when, Wendell's dad was probably uh, him and A.D. Dickerson. There's a was, name from yep. from uh, 
from there at Christiansburg. I always yeah. associated yeah. him with that club. Yeah, he was a he was a fine fellow, and they was probably the first two that I hunted with after I moved here. Uh, they would let me go along with them. Uh, actually, some I did. I don't think I even had a dog when I first started going with them. Uh, Wendell was just a little old boy, and 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 he was busy throwing rocks in the creek. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine that he <laughs> still the, does the, stuff like that. <laughs> and and yeah, and the dogs would be out running the coon, and over there, Wendell was throwing rocks in the creek, making all kinds of splashes and noise and. And I thought to myself, well, why don't his daddy tell him to be quiet? Mm. <laughs> but but Bill never did say a word to him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, well, there's so many funny stories. When uh, uh, Wendell always came up with Lindell, too, you know, well, for several years. And then, but the two that just stuck with me up there and were, seemed to be there every year was uh, Lindell and, uh, and uh, Dale Breeding. But uh, Wendell was up there uh, for a, a lot of times. And a little funny story about them. I mean, I've never seen a guy that liked to see a dog coon fight any more than, than Wendell. And, oh. and when, you know, and they would come up in October. And, you know, at that time when they first started coming, coon were still worth something. I mean, the highest dollar time had already passed, but they were still worth a pretty good price. And we'd shoot a coon out, you know, and I'd always shoot them dead. But the old window, those dogs were jerking those hides in two, you know. Yeah. I said, boys, <laughs> I'm going to sell those coon hides when y'all go home. Yeah. Well, we had a lot of fun with that. Really yeah, uh, did. But you when, mean. Wendell's uh, dad. Yeah. Uh, I guess probably the last time that I got to hunt with him, he had done started having health problems. Mm. It was really slowing down. Yeah. We went in the mountains down there at the clubhouse. Oh, yeah. And you, and you know how they are. Oh, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and we struck a coon. We was walking an old ridge up top of the mountain, and we struck a coon, and they went to the bottom. And uh, we walked off in there to them and shot the coon out. And took her time and walked back to the top of that ridge where we'd started from. And Bill, he laid down on the ground there. He sat there for a while. And he finally stood up and he said, Bob, he said, I want to take one last look at this place. And he shined his light all around down in there where we'd come from. He said, because this will probably be the last time that I'll ever be in here. <laughs> and I think, mm. and I think it, I think it was. Yeah, be. Uh, mm. But back back in the day when I started hunting with them, they would rather cut down a tree <laughs> and get the coon out alive than they would shoot it. Mm. And they, and, and him and AD, they carried an axe with them. Oh yeah, yeah. And yeah. if you treated them, them tree, it wasn't no question. They just started taking off their coats. <laughs> yeah, I talked because to uh, coming down. <laughs> talked to uh, Lindell one time, or was telling me the story. And you probably know the story. He was hunting with Willie, and I think all he had was a hatchet or something. And he was determined he was going to cut that tree down with that hatchet. Do you ever hear that story? Yeah, I did. I've heard that story, and, <laughs> and I'll tell you another one. I was hunting with Willie one night, 
and we treed in a den. Well, up about 12 or 14 foot high, there was a, you know, a knot on the tree uh, for another limb coming to it. So Willie, he said, I'm going to get up there and see if I can get that coon out. So he climbs up that tree and he takes his handkerchief and he sets it on, on fire. <laughs> and he drops it down in that hole. Well, when he does, boy, that coon comes out of there. <laughs> it runs up there and jumps off, and the dogs take off after the coon, and Willie sets the tree on fire. Mm. And he said, oh, Bob, he said, he said, I got to find a way to put out this fire. He said, you find me a long stick and get me a lot of these green uh, laurel leaves. It grows on that mountain lawn. Oh, yeah. He said, and reach him up here to me. So I scrambled around as fast as I could and found a long pole. And, uh, and I started pulling them green leaves <laughs> and putting them on the end of that stick. And I'd reach him up our to him and he'd stuff him in that tree. And then I'd do some more and he'd stuff him in the tree. And I'd do some more. And he did that until he got that fire out. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was on the fire department at <laughs> yeah, Virginia was. Tech, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. it wouldn't look too good. Uh -uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, there's so many stories. Well, you know what, um, Bob, this is just what's always been the, the highlight of coon hunting to me is oh, yeah. sitting around and yeah. telling the stories. And I did, before we leave, Charlie Whitlock, uh, just a couple of things about Charlie that I remember. Uh, of course, he built the dog boxes. And if you went down to that part of the country, uh, you could instantly see a Charlie Whitlock dog box in the back of a truck. And, and almost everybody that coon hunted in that part of the country uh, had one of those boxes, didn't they? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I've got one now. You and still have one. I Yes, I still got one. That's got that kind of arched top yep, on it, sure that did. curved yep. top, and the, yep. and man, that sure was a did. good box. It and was a good box. Yeah, yeah, and and it was, you know, you just glance, and of course that was in the day uh, when I went to Michigan in '83. I met Mark Blount, and Mark lived there in Three Rivers, Michigan. And he was really accredited with being the first guy that built a commercial dog box, you know. Uh, he used the materials from those uh, RV plants there in Elkhart, Indiana, where he worked. And he built those uh, custom dog boxes. He called them Blount's Custom Built. And I had one, and it had top storage. He's the one that came along with that idea. But, man, Charlie was building dog boxes long before Mark Blount ever started, you know. Uh, yeah, I, I asked Charlie one time, I said, Charlie, you have any idea how many dog boxes you've built? He says, I have no idea. I said, well, you should have numbered them. <laughs> yeah, for but sure. If if you went to Charlie's house and you said, I sure would like to have one of them boxes, but. I just can't afford one today. Charlie would say, take it on with you. You can pay me anytime. He would How do that, that so many times. Mm. And and most of the time, people would pay him. Yeah. But now, there was, there was a few times mm -hmm. that he never got paid for it. But he was just that kind of guy. Well, they were just such a unique box. And I would love to have one myself today just for just. 
for the fact that Charlie, you know, built it. And I think I, I mentioned the other day to you uh, that I believe it was William Doss over at Glade yeah. Springs, Virginia, that continued to build the box. I don't know if it was exactly like Charlie's box, but it was similar, I think. It was similar. There's a few uh -huh. people around that, that, that copied that pattern after Charlie died. Uh -huh. uh, there was a guy in Floyd, uh, uh, Poth. Uh, oh, I can't think of his name. His yeah. first name. Mm -hmm. Ralph, Ralph Poth's dad. Uh, he, he built them for a little while. I see. But uh, he didn't stick with them. Mm -hmm. I, I've uh, I've still got Charlie's dog leash. Uh, mm. It's hanging here in my building, and I have never used it since Charlie died. But when he died, uh, they asked me to be a pallbearer, which mm -hmm. I accept, accepted. And uh, his son, he he said, "Is it anything over here at Dad's that you'd like to have?" And uh, and they was going to have an auction and right. sell all of his. Mm -hmm. He had a gun collection and a knife collection. And, right. Uh, Charlie had given me a knife, a hen and rooster. That's the kind of knives he collected. Mm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. And I and I told his son, I said, there's one thing there that I'd like to have. And uh, I said, I'd like to have his dog leash. Uh, Charlie would take those dog leashes and he'd modify them to suit himself. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. He'd, yeah. Uh, uh, he'd do everything that you know that that right. That he was an innovator. Yeah, yeah. He was. Yeah, and I've got it. He gave it to me, and I still got oh, it. Oh, that's <laughs> great. Well, you know, I wanna, uh, and that reminds me of something else. But I, uh, as referring to Charlie, Charlie had a big Walker dog called Chief that would win all the treeing contests around. Do you remember that dog back in the? Early seventies, Chief. I think his name was Chief. I'm pretty sure. Now I could be wrong on that. He was an open spotted, kind of looked like a house bred Walker dog. He was tan headed, uh, and maybe I'm thinking that because of the name Chief. But anyway, went to Christiansburg. I'm pretty sure, and I took a little plot dog that my dad and I had bred up called Rip. And Rip, you know, Charlie was used to winning in the, the train contest. Well, Rip went in there, and I believe he barked 63 or 64 barks in 30 seconds. And he won that train contest and beat that dog. And I remember being, you know, impressed that I got to beat, beat Charlie. Well, I don't know if it was the next weekend, but it wasn't very long till we went over to Taswell to the Black Diamond Club over there. At the stockyards there. Do you ever go to hunts there in Tasman? Yeah, I did. Yeah. So I'm ready. I'm going to go in and clean house again, you know. <laughs> so they had to coon up a pole right there on the ground. It was right there around the buildings and the stock pens or whatever. I turned my dog loose, and he ran in that circle, ran up to that pole, sniffed at that pole, peed on it, and took off. <laughs> 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 that was the end of my water race career with, I mean, uh, excuse me, tree and contest <laughs> career with <Yeah>. Rip. <laughs> he was one and done. <laughs> yeah. But I did beat Charlie's dog. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <That> right. <day. laughs> Charlie never, 
you know, he never kept a dog too awful long. Right. He'd like to hunt different dogs. Mm, and he would okay. uh, he would buy a dog. Uh, he he wasn't the guy that would take a dog, uh, a dog from a pup up and train it. He would buy him already running and mm-hmm. training. Mm-hmm. And he'd hunt them uh, one season or maybe two. And he'd sell that dog and start with another one. Uh, uh, he just liked to hunt different dogs. Yeah, well, that's a, that's another uh, area legend, and there's stories like that, I'm sure, all across the country of coon hunters that made an impact, you know, in, in on the sport in their particular area, and then people from outside that area just, you know, back in that day, people didn't travel the way they do now, you know, but, uh, well... Uh, I was going to ask you something else there. I had it, and then I let myself get distracted. My wife calls it, I chase squirrels. I'll be thinking about one thing, and then over there's a squirrel. I had to go chase it. But, um, well, what were some of the favorite dogs? Or, or Oh, I know what it was, exactly. There were a lot of River Bend flag bred dogs in that part of the country at one time years ago, weren't there? Oh, yes, yes. So and I had some of those. Did you? Yeah. What yeah. do you? Yeah. What do you remember about the flag bred dogs there? I remember uh, one, the preacher dog over there that Matney had. Who was Dave that? Dave Matney. Dave. Dave. Dave Matney. Yeah. White dog. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He was right off of flag, wasn't he? He was right off a flag. Yeah, he sure was. And I, I judged that dog one night in a, in a nine hunt, and uh, oh, it was pouring down rain. It rained, <laughs> but uh, they wanted to turn loose, and uh, and we did. And uh, that preacher dog went out, and uh, and at that time, nine hunts was three hours long. And uh, you still there? Yes, I am. I'm listening. Okay. I'm soaking okay. this up like a sponge. All right. And we turned out, and preacher made a great big circle, and never struck a thing. And then finally, Dave got him, and I said, "Well, come on, I know another place." So we drove to another place, and it was still pouring rain. And we turned him loose again, and it was at the foot of a mountain. But if there was plenty hunting before. It you know, you really got into the mountain very deep. And we turned Preacher loose, and that's the last I saw of him that night. The time expired, and he never had made a bark. And uh, so I had my truck, and Dave had his. And he said, I'll wait on him. You just go on to the clubhouse. <laughs> and I went on in. That's the only time that I ever hunted mm. with Preacher. But, but they said he was a, a, a good hound. Now, there was a dog back in those days called John Wayne. Do you remember that dog? Oh, yes. Yes, I do. I remember John Wayne, owned by B.H. Mullins. There you go. And and I had a a direct son off of him. And old John Wayne, yeah, he, boy, he was a real hound, and and he won about every hunt that B.H. put him in. Yep. And a finer, a finer fellow than B.H. Mullins, you couldn't find. Now, where I mean, did he, he live, Bob? He lived, uh, B.H. lived down in, I think he lived in Tassel County, I believe, or one. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I remember I, that that dog very know, well. Exactly. It might have been Dick. Might have been Dick Dickerson County. Yeah. But, but he mm-hmm. lived down in in that section. Yeah. And uh, I went to South Carolina to buy a liver dog off of uh, White's. Let's see, was it Whitesville, South Carolina, or Whitesburg? There's White Whiteville, North Carolina, right down on the coast. White, uh, White, on the, down on the coast. Yeah. Jury, Jury Labino, or something like uh, that. Uh, Blondino. Uh, no, no. It wasn't that. No. It's a jury. He had, his name okay. started with an L. But, uh, but anyway, okay. I drove down there to buy a lipper dog. And uh, we got there and went hunting. Had my brother with me. And he said, uh, do you mind if I take two dogs? He said, I've got a little night champion dog here. And uh, he said, if you don't mind, he said, I'll take him too. And I said, I don't mind a bit. And this lipper dog was a younger dog. Mm-hmm. But he was supposed to have been doing everything that I liked. Oh. Yeah. And we went a hunting down there. That's flat lands down there. Oh, yeah. A lot of water. We a lot those, of water. <laughs> we turned those dogs loose. And of course, it wasn't long. They had a coon tree. We went to the tree and saw that one and turned them loose again. It wasn't long. They had another coon tree. But the lipper dog, he had a big mouth. He was loud and he mm-hmm. was a good looking hound. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but he would run. 10 or 12 feet up on the side of that tree. And he'd get back off and he'd get him another start and he'd go up that thing again. Well, this little John Wayne dog, the night champion dog, he was just sitting there on his butt looking up that tree, just chopping every breath. But he didn't have the mouse that the lipper dog has. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, so anyway, we get back to Jerry's house and Jerry said, well, what do you think? I said, well, Jerry, I don't believe the leopard dog will suit me. I said, because I don't like that running up and down the trees. Uh, but I said, that other little dog, I said, he don't have as big a mouth, but I like his style. I said, how much you take for him? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, said, he said, I'll take $1,250. $1,250 for him. I said, I think I'll take him home with me. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, I, and I brought him home, and we kept him for a couple of years and finally sold him to Charlie. And Charlie ended up with the dog. And, uh, now, he Charlie, was out of the John Wayne dog? or He was out of the John Wayne dog. Mm-hmm. Yep. Was John Wayne out of flag? John Wayne was out of flag. Yep. yep. That's what sure I thought. Yeah. Yeah, I remember those dogs. Um, I, I remember one time hunting that that part of the country can be some really nice hunting uh, there around you and and all and some farms and things like that and pretty nice and ridges are not too steep in some places and all that. But then you can get in some places. I drew out one night with Gene Joyce, and he took me over in Floyd County. Now, I think it was Floyd or, uh, or around Floyd, that's Franklin County, isn't it? Well, or what is it? What county Floyd, is it? Floyd, Floyd County joins uh, Franklin County. Well, I don't remember exactly which, but it was yeah, just over. nothing but one uh, laurel thicket and a little way to go, walk up the 
creek was about all and straight up and down on both sides. It was a it was an underwhelming coon hunt to say the least. Right. Yeah. Uh Gene had that uh blackjack dog that yep. uh, Willie in that band. Yep. And, That's the dog Gene was hunting that night. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, and Willie, you know, Willie kept that dog, I guess, until he died. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, we've kind of shined a tree on most of the uh, uh, coon hunters from that area. I, I know you're bound to have drawn Lane, Randy Leonard at some point uh, hunting you know, around that area. You know, you know, I uh, I knew Randy, but I never drew him. Never in a drew case. him, huh? Yeah, never drew Randy in a case. Yeah, I, but I, a, lot, a lot of our other club members did, but but I never did. Yeah. Well, I've hunted against him, and I've judged him, and uh, it, it was a sad day to hear that he had passed yeah, the young man the way yeah. the way he was there for sure. Yeah. There was another coon hunter there that was pretty active in that part of the country for a period of, period of time, and he was kind of it got affiliated with the Piedmont Airline pilot, Ken Duncan, down in North oh, Carolina, yeah. and yeah. that would have been Marvin Wade. How well did yeah. you know Marvin or do know? Uh, I, I knew Marvin ever since he was a kid, and, right. I, and I knew Marvin's dad, uh, uh, Gene, and, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, and I knew his granddaddy, Boss Wade, and they hunted English dogs, right? and, and that's about all they, that they would hunt. But mm -hmm. yeah, I I've been on trips with Marvin, uh, hunted with Marvin, and uh, I guess I hunted with him up until the time that he quit hunting. Yeah, he and, became a minister, didn't he? Yes, he did. Yeah, and mm -hmm. I, I I've been to Ken Duncan's place, and yeah. I went down there and hunted with him with the Jr. Dog, and. Uh, well, yeah, and I hired uh, Ken Duncan one time to judge at Autumn Oaks in the bench mm -hmm. show, and I knew he had – they had a dog called uh, – what was it, J.R. or something? No, what, yeah. What? Yeah, was yeah, it? J.R., that's, that's mm -hmm. what they called him. And Marvin ended up – he ended up with that dog. I got you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Marvin lived down there fairly close to Bill Wickham. I think, yeah, and, and they hunted yeah. some together yeah. and all. Yeah, well, have we missed any all uh, Southwest Virginia All Stars here in our talking about <laughs> coon hunters? Or well, any? you know, you know, we mentioned uh, when we talked before about Shannon McGrady. Yes, uh -huh. yeah, and uh, of course Shannon, I I hunted with Shannon a lot, and we traveled to Autumn Oaks together and uh, places like that, and. And Shannon had a real dog too, an uh, English dog called Sam. Okay. And uh, that he campaigned in the hunts. Uh, Shannon has since turned to bear hunting. Oh, okay. And, uh, so he don't coon hunt anymore, but he's he still keeps five or six dogs. Yeah. But uh, but he's strictly a bear hunter now. I see. And, uh, I remember I a story about about almost everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I remember I was, it was Sunday afternoon. I was living in Michigan, working at UKC and probably taking a nap on the, on the couch, I'd say. And the phone rings and it's Shannon. And I don't know how he got my home number, but cause I stayed on that phone 24 seven. I mean, well, 
Not exactly, but I stayed on the phone every day when I was at UKC. It was one perpetual phone call after the other, you know. Well, I, you know, kind of woke me up, and I was probably grumpy a little bit like an old bear, you know. And He wanted to go into some big deal that happened at a night hunt and talking and talking. This was Sunday afternoon. I said, Shannon, wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. I said, do you call up your insurance man on Sunday afternoon at home? Or do you call your banker? Or do you call the guy that fixes your car? Do you call him at home? And he said, well, I'm calling you because this is your job. I said, well, Shannon, I don't work 24-7. I put in my eight hours and a lot of weekends, too, you know. But I was, I, it was just kind of funny as I look back at it. But I realized that that's the way the coon hunters thought about it, you know, that, hey, you, you work for a registry. You're on, on call 24-7, you know. But um, – Anyway, and then I learned. I went to PKC, and I learned those people were crazy, man. They they encouraged people to call them in the middle of the night because they yeah. wanted to get those questions solved, resolved. So there was a little brush fire, so they didn't become a bigger deal, you know, later on. But I just always thought that was kind of funny. I said, man, I. Do, do you seriously? Everybody you do business with, you call them at, at home on Sunday. <laughs> I don't know. I never, but. I never did. I never did do that. Uh, when I hunted competition, I took my licks and went on. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you won, fine. If you lost, fine. Uh, you ain't going to win them all. You ain't going to draw all cash that's going to get along. Occasionally, you're going to have somebody in it that's yeah. things upset. Mm-hmm. But uh, that don't happen too often. <laughs> No, it but doesn't. It leaves a sour taste in your mouth whenever it does. But uh, yeah, and that's part of the game, and that's just part of life. Yeah, part of life. Yeah. You're going to encounter people along life's way that are, you know are not going to see things the way you do, and all. But overall, when you boil it all down, all those uh, those uh, nights, you know, there's by far more good ones than bad ones, I think. I know in my experience, there certainly has been. Well, are you still hunting, Bob? I'm still hunting. I got three dogs here. Uh, I've got a, a walker dog that Wendell gave me as a puppy. And he's a, he, he's a seaman. His, his sire was a seaman dog off of Kentucky River Rowdy. Oh, my and, old buddy Lee Kern's dog. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's all he's a grand pup of Rowdy. Okay. His 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 sire is called uh, Kentucky River Rattler or something. It belongs to a, a black fella down in North Carolina, a real nice guy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Hicks is, is his last name. Mm-hmm. But but this this dog I'm hunting now is off a of, is off of that on the top side. And on the bottom side he's Wendell Lindell's line of dogs. Okay. It's got that cougar dog on it. He, he don't have he don't have cougar. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's got other dogs that Lindell had before on his I got you. Mm-hmm. His, yeah, well I hunted with all that Hall of Fame of uh, prices dogs down through the years, you know. Lindell's had some good dogs. We've had some awful good, good hunts good with dogs. them. Yeah. 
My favorite of all of his dogs was the Casey dog. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He may not be Lindell's favorite, but I liked, I really liked him. Well. And, and of, course, of course, Wendell's had some, some real good dogs, too. Yeah, well, I remember Drum and Casey and Ring that yeah. he had, and he had a yeah. little female that was doing really good named Brandy that I liked. Yeah. He'd bring right. her up that way. And and then, of course, Belle was the one he won Southeastern Walker Days with, and that was right. one of his favorites. I hunted with her many of that that day, boy. And she had a mouth like a male dog. Oh, yes, she did. The mm-hmm. prettiest mouth you ever seen. And when, when, when Belle was operating right, she was hard to beat, but she had her nest like all dogs do. <laughs> but, oh, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And and like they you say, they're that. that way. Well, I remember Dale Breeding having old Candy, and I remember yeah. Wendell yeah. having Aurora and old Queen. Aurora and Queen, yeah, they were good dogs. Yeah, yeah. yeah they were good dogs. Her boys just, were coon hunters. Yeah. Back at that time, them boys hunted. I mean, they kept them dogs in the woods. Oh, yeah. Of course, Dale, you know, now he's, uh, he don't even have a dog. His wife is. I know. Betty hasn't been in good health, and uh, And I hate that. And and that's what he should do, and that's what he will do, as long as she's living. Yeah. Because he told told me not too long ago, he said, Bob, he said she would have waited on me hand and foot. And uh, he said, I'm going to do the same for her. Yeah. Well, you just salt to the earth people. I say this over and over and over. Coon hunters are salt to the earth people. Not every one of them, certainly. And I'm sure certain people have the opinion of me that I'm not so great. Uh, But, you know, (laughs) little things mean a lot. I mean, uh, one of the first years that Dale came up to hunt with me, they always came in October, you know. And he said, well, I brought you a Christmas present. And he had a big, big box of that hard Christmas candy, the kind we used to get when we were kids. You know, our church would have treat day, you know, on Christmas. They'd give you a little brown sack and you'd have an apple and an orange and some hard candy and maybe some nuts or something in there. But Dale brought that. And, oh, I love that stuff. You know, we'd be goon hunting. I'd be well, that became a tradition. Every year he'd bring me, and bet he'd say, "Betty sent you, Betty sent you some candy." So, she's a very, very sweet lady, and I, I really wish her yeah. the, the best. And well, our friends yeah. uh, make this sport, Bob. They really oh, do. Yeah. It certainly does. I, and I look back on it, and, and you know, I'm just thankful that uh, I've had as many friends as I've got. And had and as many people I know. And not too long ago, a man asked me, he said, Bob, he said, you know a lot of people and got a lot of friends, don't you? I said, yes, I do. I said, but most of them is laying up here on top of the hill in Sunset Cemetery. Mm. I said, that's the sad thing about it. It is. And and that's the truth. I've always gravitated to older people. I, I don't know why, hmm. but <laughs> I've always been that way. Yeah. yeah. And, of course, they've, you know, have passed on. And well, you know, my dad, uh, and this is, as I think about him so often, you know, because my dad and I were very, very close. 
and of course he got me into this hound world and and all but he he did it for an entirely different reason i like the competition and the shows and hunts and all that he just liked to sit around and talk about it and then go hunting i never saw a guy that loved hunting any more than he did you know but you know i think about when he was older and he'd go to plot days these younger guys would just flock around him and he'd get out that uh, those picture albums of his and he'd start turning through those albums and telling the stories about those dogs. And I would say, Dad, you know, it's it seemed like that he was kind of uh, had them trapped there. You know, he wouldn't let them go. He wouldn't tell them one about one more, one more dog. But later on, I found out, no, it wasn't that. It was they that wanted to hear that one more story or hear about that other dog or this or that. And after he passed, so many people came to me and said, you know, we really miss your dad and his stories and, and all. And uh, we just, you know, really look forward to him seeing him. That's the way I want to be remembered, Bob. You know, I want to be people to think, well, when they think of Steve Fielder, they think, well, you know, I, we had a good time. When I was around Steve, we had good stories. We had good times. We had some laughs. We went hunting. We treated some coon, um, you know, and it was a, a, a pleasurable experience. And I'll send that as a word to anybody that's getting involved in the sport, whether you're young or just a newcomer into the sport. Uh, you know, if you make it all about you, and all about winning, and if you don't win, you don't have a good time, and you walk in and you pay your entry fee and you hunt your dog and you go home and you don't talk to anybody, you're missing a lot, and you're really missing what this sport, I believe, it is all about. Do you think so? I certainly agree, Steve, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, I certainly do. Well, Bob, uh, I think. Oh, I, you go ahead. Don't let me interrupt. I want to. I want to tell you two, two more quick stories, please. Before we end this thing, <laughs> a lot of people has asked me. Uh, they said, "What was the best competition cast that you was ever on?" Right. Okay. And I tell them all the same thing, and my dog was not involved. I went to all the mugs. I had hunted on Friday night. Me and Shannon McGrady was together. He had his Sam dog, English dog, uh, in the night champion cast. We drew out with a black and tan female that belonged. Some guy was handling this dog, belonged to Humphreys. To Jarvis Humphreys. Jarvis Humphreys. A black and tan female. We went to the woods. I think there was another dog, too, there, but I think the fella scratched him, the walker dog. But anyway, that was the best cast that I I ever been in the woods with as far as two dogs, three and coons that was nip and tuck. It would be 25 points one way or the other all night in that cast. Sam would be ahead 25, and then the other dog would be ahead 25. Mm. Little black and tan chip. She was as tough a dog as I ever saw in the woods. And Sam wasn't no slouch either. Mm -hmm. She finally she finally won the cast just by a few points. Yeah. But 
that was the best competition coon hunt that I was ever in. And I was a spect I and I was just a spectator. <laughs> was that at Greencastle, Indiana? Or was it uh it was uh, I'll tell you where it was, Steve. It was uh Sandusky. Oh, up at uh, Oak Harbor, Ohio. Oak Harbor, yep. yep. Oak mm-hmm. Harbor. That that's that's where it was. And how about that? that was, well, you know, we've lost Jarvis and yeah, uh, I uh, you know, and Jarvis was a guy that I, I just, I loved like a brother. He was always yeah. nothing but 200% good to me and polite and friendly and, and all. And, uh, of course I didn't, you know, really work much for Jarvis. He had sold PKC when I went to work for them, but right. he, he was still around, you know, and, yeah. and he right. was still doing, I guess, some consulting or whatever with Larry, but. A true, true legend in our sport, and yeah, for me, in, in many ways, he changed the the sport of coon hunting forever. Yeah. And uh, all right, give yeah. me this other story you got. Uh, well, uh, but anyway, uh, before I get into oh. the other story, yeah. Dwayne Dwayne Clark was there. Yeah, and he had a whole he had a whole pen full of Spring Creek Rock puppies. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> and uh, I walked by them. Them puppies, I don't know how many times, times a day. Boy, I wanted one of them so bad, <laughs> but I didn't. But I didn't have a lot of money with me, and and but anyway, he was he sold every one of them. Oh yeah. Uh, on, on on Saturday evening, I think when everything was everybody was pulling out, I walked by and there was one pup left in that pen. And Dwayne said, uh, you've been eyeing these pups all weekend. I said, yeah. I said, I always want a puppy out of Spring Creek Rock. And uh, I said, I just like these looks. He said, well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. This is the only pup left. If you want him, you can have him for $50. Oh, my. <laughs> and, you know, I didn't buy it. Really? And I have, yeah. <laughs> and I have kicked myself so many times. For not buying that puppy, I thought about that. All what were you home. thinking, Bob? <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't have fifty dollars. Well, you probably didn't have. Well, I've been there too, brother. <laughs> yeah. That's another. Yeah. 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 Okay, and the, and another uh, the other story. Uh, I used to bear hunt with these boys all the time, and like I told you before, I didn't have dogs, but I'd follow them in the woods, and I've I've helped drag bear out. I never shot a bear. I never wanted to. Uh, I didn't even carry a gun, right? But I wanted, I wanted to just be on the hunt. Yeah, and uh, so we were all hunting on Mountain Lake, mm-hmm. and the and the dogs had run, and it was getting up about midday, and most of them had done come out, and the guys were standing around up at the top of the mountain all talking, and there was this one guy that was still in the woods. And all of a sudden, the radio went off, and this fellow that knew him answered him, and he said, "I'm lost." He said, uh, "He said I'm in here, and uh, he said I'm not sure which direction I need to go in to get out." Well, mm-hmm. the fellow, the fellow he was talking to, he said, uh, "Well, I'm pretty familiar with that country that you're in." He said, "You take a few minutes and look around." And you find a landmark. 
something he says that looks, you know, kind of different. And you, you call me back. And he said, maybe I can talk you out of there. So the radio went silent for a period of time. And all of a sudden this boy, he comes back on the radio and he says, uh, do you see the sun? And so I said, yeah, I see it. He said, well, I'm standing right under it. <laughs> right and, there and, under the sun. Well, that certainly and, narrowed it down, didn't yeah. it? And that fellow said, yeah, you and everybody else. <laughs> everybody else on this big green globe. Oh, it's a great yeah. story, Bob. And yeah. yeah. Well, listen, buddy, it has been so good to visit with you, and we'll definitely have to come back and do it again because I know there's a lot of stories and rocks there in southwest Virginia that uh, <laughs> we've left unturned and uh, oh, and yeah, all, but it, it's been it a – yeah, we, we, We've only touched the hem of the garment. <laughs> well, that's right. That yeah. biblical reference there, yeah. Well, you're the coon hunting barber. I've known several of them down through the years that were barbers. Uh, seems like that just kind of goes along with it. And I guess that's how probably you've shared some of these stories and probably heard some too from the barber chair, haven't you? Oh, and lots and lots of them. Yeah. You know, we would hunt all week, and on Monday morning, my barber shop would be full of coon hunters. <laughs> well, that's what I was going to ask you before I let you go and all. And maybe it was your barber shop that was the gathering place. It was there when you were. Down through the years, was there a local gathering place where most of the coon hunters uh, gathered around? Well, my shop was uh, those places. Yeah, uh, there would uh, there would be so many coon hunters in the barber shop that people would drive by that wanted a haircut <laughs> and see the crowd and just keep on going. Oh because- yeah. Because they thought the place was full of customers. <laughs> you needed to have your guy out front in the barber shop. We have vacancies. <laughs> yeah, so my barber shop was, was one of them. Yeah, I bet it was. That's and there was, a little, there was a little country store over here between me and Floyd. Mm-hmm. And on rainy, rainy nights when you couldn't go hunting, that little old store would be full of hunters, be coon hunters and fox hunters. And they'd gather, they'd gather in there around that little old pot belly stove, and we'd drink soda pop and eat peanuts. <laughs> oh, tell me about it. You know, yeah. when I did the Nightlife Nation podcast, we and I thought I envisioned a place just like that because I saw a lot of those places when I was a kid, you know, hunting down through the years and uh, get the old country store feel to things, you know, and that, that's uh, that's just one of those things uh, – that you never forget once you experience all that. Oh, Bob. Yeah, that's exactly right. Well, I'll tell you one more story. And I'm gonna all right. Go. He's okay. got another one, folks. Let's go. <laughs> you know, one one story reminds you of another one. That's just like that uh, one more drop. Let's make one, one more, more drop. <laughs> go ahead. Uh, when I was hunting with uh, Willie, like I told you before, he'd hunt about four dogs at a time. And uh, I, I'd usually just take one. But we was hunting down in there where the clubhouse is in the yeah. mountains. And we just turned his dogs loose and they went up the side of the mountain and across the ridge. Well, we drove around to him. Uh, there's a creek 
goes through there. It's a pretty good-sized creek, but you could drive through it. And we drove around and found the dogs. They was treated up on the side of the mountain. And Willie rolled the window down. He said, yep, right there they are, right on the side of that mountain. He said, let's me and you go to town and get us something to eat. He said, we know where the dogs are down. <laughs> so we just so he just turns around, drives to Christiansburg, and uh, we go in a place and get us something to eat and sit down and talk. Then go back out and get in a truck, drives back, and dogs still sitting in our tree. <laughs> we walk in our tomb, shoot the coon out. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's that's the way it is in the mountains. Those dogs, they know they got to stay treed in those mountains yeah. because it's yeah. going to be a while before you it's get to be it. A while. That's yeah. right. Another great story. Okay. Steve. All right, Bob Justice, you take care of yourself, buddy. Keep cutting that I'll hair and uh, and thinking Man, of those I'm, stories, and we'll get you back <laughs> on the podcast here before long. Yeah, I really enjoy the podcast that. Uh, you you have and uh, I listen to everyone that I can and I really enjoy Fred Fred Moran's stories and you know he's a <laughs> he has some good ones he is uh, an yeah. amazing uh, guy and has a lot of stories and just the kind of guests that I like to have on this podcast that's uh, yeah. that's what I live for and uh, the listeners tell me they enjoy him too so we'll have more Fred on here too this one uh, the one that I just did uh, the week before this one's airing uh it, it's rather long too but uh with a good friend and uh you know, it's just great to be able to get together with you guys and share these stories and the memories and all that goes with it. Well, Bob, we're going to let you go. And for my friends out there that wonder where I am most of the time, well, I'm gone to the dogs. That's for sure. <laughs>